looking to sound like you know what's going on in the world? Pop culture, social strategy, comedy, and other funny stuff? Well, join the club and settle in for the Jeff Dwoskin Show. It's not the podcast we deserve, but the podcast we all need with your host, Jeff Dwoskin. All right, Sean. Thank you so much for that amazing introduction. You get the show going each and every week, and this week was no exception. Welcome, everybody, to episode 79 of Live from Detroit, the Jeff Dwoskin Show. As always, I am your host, Jeff Dwoskin. Great to be back for another week of podcast goodness. I'm here to deliver, and I've got an amazing guest for us this week. Actor Rebecca Metz joins us. That's right, Rebecca Metz. If you watch TV, you've seen Rebecca Metz. She's unavoidable. ER, Scrubs, Parenthood, Grey's Anatomy, This Is Us, Criminal Minds, The Mindy Project, Weeds, Gilmore Girls, Shameless, Nip Tuck, and currently a reoccurring role on Better Things. Rebecca Metz is everywhere. We talk about her awesome career. We talk about her guest starring role on Nip Tuck, which Entertainment Weekly named one of the most disturbing TV scenes ever. We talk all about that and what a risk it was for her to do it and what an amazing opportunity it opened up for her afterwards for taking that chance, that risk. Amazing story. We talk about her time on Shameless, starring on Coop and Cammy, Ask the World on Disney, and Better Things. So much greatness coming up. All that in just a few minutes. If you haven't, make sure you listen to last week's episode with Paul Provenza. Such an amazing deep dive into comedy and all the great stuff he's done. There's a treasure trove of episodes awaiting you if you're just discovering the program right now. So I'm really excited for you. You got so much ahead of you. So much ahead of you. If you've already caught up, then it's time for you to share it with your friends. Tell everyone about Live from Detroit, the Jeff Dewaskin Show. Don't keep it to yourself. All this goodness needs to be shared with the world. And karma will rain upon you. Thank you in advance for your gracious word of mouth. Home of the Jeff Dewaskin Show on the internet is at jeffisfunny.com. Head over there. You can buy me a coffee, hop over to my YouTube channel, watch our weekly live show, Crossing the Streams, also available on the Fireside Chat app. We talk about great TV shows you should be binging. You're always asking yourself, what should I watch? This is the show that answers that question. So check that out. Follow me on the socials at Jeff DeWaskin Show on Instagram and Twitter. Tweet at me, Instagram, comment at me, whatever it is. I'll reply back. I love to hear from you. And now it's time for the social media tip. All right. This is one of my favorite parts of the podcast where I get to share a little bit of my social media knowledge with you. A little 411 I picked up on the street. I've been in social media for most of my career and I love to share knowledge so that we can all raise our social media game together. Recently, I spoke at PodFest Origins, a huge podcast convention. I talked on Twitter and tweeting, comedic art of doing good tweets. So that was exciting. I have a a really good tip for you this week. It's really fun one that I found. So on mobile, if you go to someone's profile, like say you went to at Jeff Dwoskin show, which is my Twitter profile. If you're looking at it in the upper right of the profile, kind of like on the uh, top banner, there's a little magnifying glass. And if you click the magnifying glass, it'll say search at Jeff Dwoskin shows tweets. So what Twitter has done is they've made it really easy for you to search a very particular profile's tweets. So say you're like, oh, I know Jeff's done a lot of great Jaws episodes. So if you typed in Jaws, 
after clicking that magnifying glass that says search Jeff Jawaskin's tweets. Then it'll look up any tweet that has the word Jaws in it that I tweeted from that account. So you'll find the Jaws 2 episode with Billy Van Zandt, and you'll find the deep dive of Jaws with Joe Alves, and you'll find my conversation with Carl Gottlieb, screenwriter of Jaws. So all that goodness is right there waiting for you. So it's real easy now to deep dive into someone's Twitter profile. So say you're like, oh, I remember that guy tweeting about that one thing. So now you can just go to their profile, search, and you should be able to find that tweet. Have fun. And that's the social media tip. I do want to thank everyone who takes the time to support our sponsors week after week. It means the world to me. When you support our sponsors, you're supporting us here at Live from Detroit, the Jeff Dewaskin Show. And that's how we keep the lights on. Today's sponsor, are you looking for a home of your own? Well, all you have to do is pick up the phone and call LMK Realty. That's right, LMK Realty, specializing in big houses, little houses, theaters, castles, condos, you name it. If you can live in it, we probably sell one. LMK Realty excited to announce that 72% of their listings are guaranteed not to be haunted. Try and find another realtor that can make such claims. LMK Realty, we put the K and it's okay to overextend yourself with a mortgage for a house you can't afford. Special live from Detroit Spotlight on 44 Bronson Lane in Hensonville. A two-story house featuring a basement laboratory, one bathroom, and tons of great bedroom space. So if it's your dream or fantasy to own your own home, call LMK Realty today. All right. I'm not personally looking for a house right now, but if you are, give them a Google and tell them live from Detroit, the Jeff DeWaskin Show sent you. While you're settling into your new home, it's probably a great time for me to pivot over to my interview with Rebecca Metz. In addition to Shameless, Nip Tuck, Coop and Cam, Better Things, we also talk about our shared love for the Muppets. You're going to love this conversation. I'm excited to share it with you. Without further ado, it's time to play the music. It's time to light the lights. It's time to meet Rebecca Metz on the Jeff DeWaskin Show tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, my next guest is one of the greatest character actors working today. You may have seen her in Weeds, Marin, This Is Us, Grey's Anatomy, The Mentalist, Boston Legal, King of Queens, Gilmore Girls. The list goes on and on. Today, my guest, Rebecca Metz, can be seen in Better Things on FX, also on Hulu, and just finished up two seasons of Coop and Cammy Ask the World on the Disney Channel. You can try to avoid Rebecca Metz, but I think it's impossible. <laughs> Rebecca, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I am following everyone around on television all the time. <laughs> You're everywhere. Yeah. How did you become one of the hardest working, most working character actors in the business? That is a great question. It snuck up on me. Like when you rattle them all off in a row like that, it sounds very impressive. But actually, those happened over a number of years during which I was working full time day jobs and did not feel like I was doing I was doing a lot less acting than I wanted to be doing. So it was a real slow and steady build of doing little parts until I got a chance to do bigger parts and slowly building those professional relationships so that people would start to give you more of a shot until you can finally pay your bills as an actor, which took like 17 years. But some people never make it, right? Absolutely. Not complaining, just marveling at looking back and going, wow, that's really how it happens. I'm curious when you're on some of the shows and sometimes it's just, it's a guest star as one episode, you kind of mm -hmm. You come in, you leave, 
do you get to establish any relationships? Is it only who you have the scenes with? Is it, you know, I mean, how do you, how does that work? Every show is different. I mean, I think on when it's like one day, one or two days, you may meet a person here or there who you will bump into. There are a lot of people that I have seen on multiple jobs over the years, like, oh, I did a day on Parenthood, and then I saw those people again on another show. And so you build relationships over time that way. But for the most part, it takes a good solid week. Like when I worked on Nip Tuck, I was there most days for that episode, and it was a pretty intense episode. And so I did make some friends and some longer lasting relationships on that show. But even that is unusual. Like usually it takes a recurring role for people to invest the time to like get to know you and vice versa. When it's one episode like that, it really feels like hopping on and off a moving train and you're just lucky to land safely and get away with your life. Let's talk about Nip Talk for a second. Okay, yeah. so I was obsessed with that show when it Were was- Were you? On. Yeah, my wife and I watched it all the time. And I immediately, I remembered your episode. Mm-hmm. I was replaying the clip and I remembered it. You know how you, like, you remember something and then you go yeah. back and you just, I was like, I remembered it. And it was like, I was like, oh my God, this is, I remember this scene. It's a this notable was, one. It was disturbing. Mm-hmm. And as I kind of dug in, interestingly enough, I think this was on your web page, but Entertainment Weekly called the scene that you had with Christian Troy one of the 23 most disturbing TV scenes ever. I'm so proud. How many scenes are in like one episode of a show in general, (laughs) right? And (laughs) many, many scenes. Many, many. And there's many, many programs. And it's been a long, long time. Mm Mm-hmm. One of the 23 months, and it was, I remember, oh, it was, I remember watching it going, oh, it's so horrible because he's drawing all over you. This is yep. wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. Was it that scene that they said was disturbing? There were several candidates. I don't remember which one. To me, yeah. the, you know, how they describe it and how I, I kind of pictured yeah. it as one kind of, and then you had the, him wanting you to put the bag over your head. And mm-hmm. that scene, I can't, I can, if I'm juggling him in my head, I can't decide which is more <laughs> disturbing. Yeah. I mean, they're equally of the most disturbing. But yeah, I was right in line with what such an asshole character that uh, mm-hmm. Julie McMahon was playing, that Christian Troy character. It was, mm-hmm. but I was also reading, interesting enough, it was one of the kind of pivots, one of the roles that kind of. Absolutely. Also, it was an incredibly positive experience. Like my memories, like I said, I have, there are people I am still friends with who I met on that job. The director of that first episode, Michael Robin is someone I've worked with several times since like my experience of that job was like pure joy. You know, it's always funny to talk to people who are like traumatized on my behalf about it. And I'm sort of like, I would do it again in a heartbeat. Like it was certainly by far the biggest role I had ever done to begin with. And I did not realize what a huge cult show it was. I had never seen it. And that was back in the days of um, when you would get material sides, audition sides, or what they call it, the scenes that they send you to audition with are like faxed. You know, you don't get the whole script, you don't get to read everything. So I went in for the audition, I went in for the callback, I booked it. And my agent called and they said, and I think we, we only read in the audition, the sort of initial consultation scene, and like, one other post-surgery scene, not the really intense stuff. And so my agent called and said, you booked it. They just want to make sure you're okay with the scene where you're on all fours and he's having sex with you from behind and you're wearing a bag on your head. And I was like, the what? 
the initial character breakdown said like has demeaning sex with Christian Troy. And I said to my best friend, like, I mean, yeah, but like it's cable. How demeaning could it be? And she was like, you should probably watch the show. They sent me everything. I read everything. And I had a real moment where I sat down on my couch in my apartment and had a little talk with myself and was like, okay, you have to decide if you are ready to love yourself just as you are right now, a hundred percent. If you are, you can do it this job. And if you're not, you can't. And so purely because I wanted to do the job, I was like, okay, we're going in total acceptance. It really was a huge turning point for me. Like in the weeks afterwards, I was getting recognized on the street, which had never happened to me before and was a wild experience. And, you know, I started getting called in for much bigger things and having casting directors introduce me by saying like, this is Rebecca. She's incredible, which had never happened before. And I was like, uh, I'm not about to be incredible. You know, it was, it was, it took a real adjustment because things changed pretty dramatically after that. I still had a day job for several years. Yeah. Things changed. Wow, that's pretty awesome. So in the question, would you rather date Dr. Sean McNamara or Dr. Christian Troy? <laughs> I'm biased because Julian McMahon was so sweet. Like he took such good care of me and we have seen each other several times since. And it's just like, he's my TV boyfriend. So I know it's the wrong answer, but I would pick Dr. Troy. You know, you, girls, you always go with the bad boy. It's, it's, what, put, it's what puts guys like me in the... <laughs> I know, I know. I don't, I mean, it's not like McNamara was an angel. No, I know. Sort of two bad choices. They were. Was the show still in Miami at the time? Yes. Okay, so that's when it was still good. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, it's always in Miami. I don't want to talk about what happened later. It's good to know that Julian McMahon took care of you later, because I was thinking like he should have you on his show, FBI Most Wanted, and Mm -hmm. you should be like one of these serial killers that bests him. Like, that would be a great turnaround. Amazing. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I think he would think that was really fun. All right. Let's say I'll have my people call your people. Work on it. I'm going to have to first get people. But as soon as I get people, this is happening. (laughs) He's got people. Make it happen, Julian. I'm sure he's following all of my podcasts. Of course. Why wouldn't he? (laughs) What's Rebecca saying about me? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. Well, okay. So that's good. It's nice to know. Yeah. It was a good experience for you, both during and the benefits you got yeah. from doing it. I guess that's I mean, what happens, right? You take chances. That was a risk. Yeah. I have bumped into a lot of women who you get to know the people who you're always at auditions with, who tend to audition for the same roles. And I've bumped into a lot of those women at other auditions who have said to me, uh, I turned that down. I wouldn't do it, which I totally get. And I'm just glad that I did because it ended up being so incredibly positive. And the jobs I've had that were not incredibly positive, you would never know it from what I did on screen. Very little correlation I have found between what happens on screen and what the job was like to do. Yeah, the performance was so powerful that, you know, it's it, you had to have been enjoying. I mean, I got to imagine that, you know, it's going to come off in your work. So if if you were uncomfortable, it probably wouldn't have been as amazing as it was. All right, so that's that is a huge thing. What was the next big thing that you would say I know I don't I always hesitate to say your overnight success because overnight successes mm-hmm. take a decade or right. whatever. Right. So w- what would you say was your next kind of big thing um, that you got because of Nip Tough or as on this momentum oh, train? You know what I mean? I don't I don't know that there's anything that I got directly because of Nip Tough. I would say the next sort of milestone in terms of like things moving forward was probably Shameless, which I had auditioned for. I don't even know how many times like that office and that 
show. So John Levy is the casting director who also did ER, which I worked on, and Southland, which I worked on. And, and he's been calling me in for years. He's wonderful. And I went in for Shameless at least a dozen times. Um, and I went in for the previous season for a role, a big recurring guest role that got down to me and the woman who got it. And I had a chemistry read with William H. Macy and it was super exciting. And I was like, I could quit my day job for this. And then I didn't get it. And I cried for three days, which I usually don't do. But there was that and another role right around the same time that I was like, come on, I could finally quit this horrible job. And I didn't get either one of them. And so that was a blow. But you know, my agent said, they said they love you and they're going to find you something, which they always say. And you're always like, mama, sure. But they did. And so the following season, they brought me in for this waitress character, Melinda, which I don't know that this is the case, but felt like it had been sort of made for me. And I ended up working on it for three seasons. And that was where I really got to, got to know people. People got to know me. I started to feel comfortable and trusted. And I, Emmy Rossum, who plays Fiona, played Fiona, who um, was sort of the main person who I worked with. And I became friends and got to really enjoy working together. So that was a big deal. And that's another huge show, both in the industry and with the audience. So being a part of that cast, I think really made a difference. Yeah, Shameless is huge. You mentioned that and they're like, what? Yeah. Yeah. And that was a re- that was recurring. You were like, what, 14 episodes on that? Yeah, so it was exactly, like, yeah. It was really fun. That's really cool. You get to know this. Yeah. Even though it's only 14 of the whole run, they remember you. It's a different kind of bond. For sure. I have seen also a bunch of those people since. And that show is intense isn't the right word, but it moves very quickly. John Wells is the showrunner who did all those other shows also that I mentioned. He expects a lot of his actors. He expects you to know your lines. He expects you to be on top of things. He expects everyone to be at 100% all the time. And there are people who can't roll with that. And if you can, you get some respect and they will bring you back and give you more to do and count on you. And so, and I think people in the business know that. And so being a part of that for a long, a long run for a good number of episodes mattered. It was great for me. It was a great challenge and so much fun. So would you rather, Mm -hmm. like the theme I got going, Uh uh would you (laughs) rather... Would you rather watch William H. Macy in ER or mm. Jurassic Park 3? <laughs> oh, this is not a difficult. I watch ER reruns several times a week. I love ER. So easy. And I don't believe I have ever seen Jurassic Park 3. No offense to whoever is in it. <laughs> well, William H. Macy. <laughs> I'm sure he's very proud of his work in that film. I think it's slightly better than two, actually. But okay. Oh, oh okay. All right. So cool. So Shameless, that was your big thing. And then uh, Grey's Anatomy, the world of Shonda Rhimes. I was very excited to get to open the door into that empire because it's sort of like if you get hired on a Shonda Rhimes show, you're like, okay, well, she doesn't hate me. Now there's a chance that I could work on all of the other Shonda Rhimes shows. And that's another great casting office, Linda Lowy and John Brace, that I went into many, many times for many, many of the projects that they work on. It was super fun. That's another show where like they had been doing it for a good long time. So the moving train image is very much appropriate there. It's just sort of like, get in, knock it out. You, As the guest actor, you do not want to be the one causing a problem that makes them slow down. So it's just like, get in there and kill it and get out. The director of that episode, oh my God, I'm not going to remember his name and I'm going to feel terrible. He was this older French guy who I looked up and he had directed Jaws 2. But I was like... Oh Jean something. Jean-Aul. Yes. Jean yeah. 
oh my gosh, shame on me for not having his name off the top of my head. But um, it, it, it was. It's a Janos. Swarzak. Swarzak. I mean, it's. Let's say like it. Let's, let's say it again. Go ahead and just say it. Geno Swarzak. Swarzak. Yeah, I actually was just. It was funny. I was. I interviewed Joe Elves, who was mm-hmm, the guy mm-hmm. who designed Jaws. Oh wow. He, he knew Geno from mm-hmm. working on Night Gallery. And when the whole, the original director of Jaws 2 got fired, he's the one that recommended Janot coming wow. for Jaws 2. All right, I was go. pretty excited to work with him. Some side trivia. Even though none of us could remember his name exactly, it yeah. was in the heart that That's matters. right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I think I stopped watching Grey's Anatomy when they killed Denny. Yeah, I hadn't been watching all of that time. You know, I think I had the gist of it. <laughs> there was a period where I was into Grey's Anatomy and I was just yeah. like, oh. Yeah, I think we all were. I think we mm-hmm. all were. We've all gone through that door. You get attached to that original cast. You can hang with changes for a while, and then you sort of all but the most devoted fans peter out. Exactly. I was listening to an, an interview you were doing, or maybe I read this. One of your early inspirations was The Muppet Show. Uh-huh. <laughs> Love The Muppet Show. So are you I'm, like just diving in? Are you exci- so ecstatic? It's They're all on Disney Plus. Yeah, we've been, we have been slowly watching them. My husband and I, like we're sort of doling them out so that we don't get through them too fast. But I'm still a diehard Muppet fan. I have Muppet paraphernalia all over my house. Look, I have right here a Super Grover. A little oh, inspirational. Super Grover. Super Grover. I think that's where I got my sense of humor and <laughs> the idea that you could make a living in entertainment from the Muppet Show. I always joke with my kids that I went into comedy, stand-up comedy, because of Fozzie Bear. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure there is like a particular generation of people for whom that is true. So I know you're a Disney person. Uh, the Muppet Studio in Hollywood Studios. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, I think it's they Disney took World. it out. I feel like they may have just taken it out. But yes. What? I'm not studio? sure. I'm not sure. Don't oh, quote me on this that, could but be, I think they may have. I, I think I could have a breakdown if that happened. I know. That was I thought that was, it was such a great replica of the backstage. It was one of the yes. greatest, one of the greatest things. Look up and see all the costumes hanging and like identify, you know, if you're me, identify like particular sketches. Oh, that was from the... Okay, so, so knowing you were a, a Muppet Show fan, we share that as a mutual mm-hmm. love. I prepared a few trivia questions mm. for you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. Gonzo the Great was mm-hmm. known for his death-defying stunts. Mm-hmm. In the 120-episode run, how oh. many stunts did Gonzo actually perform? Oh, Lord. I don't know. And I don't feel bad about not knowing this. It's no. not about counting. It's just about enjoying. I don't know. I know. 16. I, 20, but that was close. close. That was good. And just for the record, I don't expect you to really know, know. any of these. Okay. Who owns the Muppet Theater in the show? Oh, Scooter's uncle, J.P. Gross. Yeah, J.P. Gross. I wrote J.P. Gross down thinking, well, she, maybe she'll know uncle. That's impressive. Yeah. See, you are. You're. This is good. Okay, so here's one more, one more. Okay. How many albums did Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem release? Mm-hmm. In real life? Mm-hmm. I'm going to say... Two. Zero. They oh, never bummer. released an well, album. You know what? I, know. I should have known that because I would own them if they had. Right. So that's another thing we should. We'll have our people write yeah. some letters. This has got to change. The greatest thing that happened to me, I think this is fair to say, on Coop and Cammy, besides getting to actually make the show, was that they sent us to uh, this thing called D23, which is the Disney super fan convention in Anaheim every year. And I found, and we were there to, you know, like meet fans and do photo ops and whatever and i 
learned that we were going to be there on the same day as Kermit. And so I wrote to the Disney people and I was like, listen, if you never do anything for me ever again, please, 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 can I meet Kermit? And so they set me up with a meet and greet with Kermit. And I have a framed picture in our living room of me. Like we were just in this room in the convention center and all of a sudden he was there and we chatted and it was like bucket list situation. Absolutely. I can't believe it. The silence that you're hearing from me is just an internal jealousy mm-hmm. that I don't I know. even know how to, if I, if you could, I could show you my wall, it's all signed the eight by tens and all that kind of stuff. So to I, me, Kermit, that's like, that's a get. That's, a, that's And a it was incredible. Thing. Like, you know, it was kind of a behind the scenes situation. The guys who do it are there and it's just suitcases around. And so, and somehow, even though we were all in the same room, like he suddenly appeared, I didn't see where he came from. And then he was gone and I didn't see where he went. Like it was magical. And talking to him, I really was talking to him. Like, you know, they say when you're on the Muppet show, people find themselves really interacting with the Muppets. And I totally did. There is a magic there. That's mm-hmm. okay. That's, I don't even know where we can take this now. This is, <laughs> yeah, that's a think, showstopper. Yeah. That's a showstopper. That is a mm-hmm. showstopper. All right. Well, here, ready? Uh, would you rather mm. hang out with Fozzie Bear or Gonzo? I think Gonzo, because with Fozzie, you would end up mostly taking care of his insecurities, whereas with Gonzo, you would end up maybe in jail, but on some kind of fantastic adventure. Like, there's no self-esteem issue with Gonzo. You would just end up doing something insane. I agree with that. When I wrote it, I was thinking Fozzie, and then who else? And then, but then, but mm-hmm. then I, I switched. Gonzo would be the one you'd want to hang out with. That's what people would want to hear about. Plus, just the sound he makes when he shows up quickly. You know, the like, <laughs> the swipe when Gonzo <laughs> enters a room. Just for that. Just for that. Magical. Magical. Mm-hmm. Would you rather be backstage of the Muppet Show or Muppets Now? Oh, Muppet Show. Of course. Of course. That was a gimme. Yeah. All right. So I'll take anything. Cast me in anything. I want to be a backstage <laughs> of whatever the Muppets are doing now. <laughs> Disney knows that, too. Like, anytime there's a Muppet announcement, my agent calls and is like, Rebecca would like to be considered. And they're like, we know. <laughs> How did you like the the new Muppet movie when they made the new one with um, Jason? I liked it. A lot. I actually auditioned for a line in it. And I was like so starstruck. They had a Kermit like strapped to the camera. And I think I got so starstruck that I probably screwed it up. But I really liked it. I thought they captured a good amount of the sensibility. I'll always be an old school originalist, but I want them to live on and do new things. And so I I really liked it. I loved it. I didn't love the sequel to it as much. Mm -hmm. But the first one I thought really captured the magic that you could, you know, what was Jason's last name? Like Siegel, Jason, Jason Siegel clearly was such a fan and captured the magic of it. And the second one, there's a funny line that I I always say with my kids whenever, you know, they go space bars, space bars, but I don't even, (laughs) (laughs) the other second evil guy wants evil Kermit. Anyway, (laughs) we should do a whole podcast on the Muppet show. I could. That'd be cool. You mentioned uh, Coop and Cammy asked mm-hmm. the world. Mm-hmm. You just had two wonderful seasons of mm-hmm. that show. You played Jenna Rather, mm-hmm. which is the origin of the kids on that show have a streaming show and they ask questions. Would you rather? Yes. Spoiler. That's why I've been saying those to everyone listening. <laughs> Spoiler. For everyone without kids listening, trying to... Jeff normally doesn't ask random questions like that during a show. My initial thought was, you play a mom to four children, Mm -hmm. and your husband passed away. Mm -hmm. Which is interesting, because in Disney, it's usually the flip. 
I know. I felt so fortunate that I survived the beginning of a Disney project with the mother intact. That had to have been fun. My kids are a little older, so I didn't mm-hmm. catch the seasons as they were going. But knowing that we were going to talk, I watched a couple episodes and they did seem like it seemed like you were just having an amazing time and they were having an amazing time. Ruby Rose Turner, who plays Cammy of Coop and Cammy, asked the world, cracked me up. Man, that. Aww. Yeah, that that girl just was, she just had a personality. They all did. But yep. I mean, that girl's yep. personality was just, you could see they're going to move her right into another show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, she's a star. You also are on a show called Better Things on Hulu. And you were kind of doing them at the same time. Yeah. Better Things on Hulu. It's streaming on Hulu for anyone who wants to catch any of the episodes. They're all there. But it, it's an FX show. Yeah. So it's it's definitely darker. Yeah. than a Disney show. So yeah. you're, you're going back and forth, polar opposite. And stylistically, like not even just tonally, but Better Things is incredibly grounded, realistic. Like there's never a whiff of kind of artifice or it should never feel like acting. And Disney Channel is Disney Channel. It's a kid's show. So yes, very different. And there were a couple of days when I actually went from one set to the other and would just have this talk with myself in the car. Like, okay, now you're going to the set with cursing and with grounded acting. If I caught myself doing some Coop and Cammy acting on the set of Better Things, I would be in big trouble. Right. It, there's a different surrealness to Disney is yeah. a little more of a perfect Broad, world. Yeah. Right. Even with the, uh, you know, dealing with the death of a father or husband, it's still Disney and it has a different tone. I appreciated that there was some darkness to it, though. There was some, you know, and every once in a while we would deal with that, with the kids having feelings about it or some fallout from it, which I appreciated. It wasn't all just potatoes in people's faces. So playing their mom, do you feel like, and I mean this in the, not the literal, do you, do you feel like over the time you guys spent together that you sort of became their mom? Like, you know what I mean? Not literally yeah. their mom, but yeah. that kind of figure in their life. Yeah, I mean, I would sometimes give them acting, not acting advice, but tips. Like, I've been doing this for a really long time, and they were all pretty young and hadn't had a chance to. So there were things that would come up that I would sort of suggest things or, yeah, I think I had sort of a maternal vibe, although I'm happy not to actually be any of their moms. It's a per- it's the ideal situation. Like, you get to mother them, and then something bad happens, and you go, go talk to your actual mother. I got to go to my trailer. Sounds perfect. I will forever adore those kids. And I see them and go, oh, my God, you're so big. And the mom stuff. So we have that for sure. So you had four kids on the show. Do you sit down with them and go, look, statistically, 50% of you are going to get really messed up. It's just going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Here's some advice I can give you. I right did. Now. I would try to give them grounding, sensible advice when I could, although it's not my job. And I try, you know, nobody likes unsolicited advice less than me. So I tried not to be too bossy, but occasionally I would try to keep them tethered to the ground a little bit. But what do I know? They're famous children. I've never done that. Like Ruby has millions of Instagram followers. I should be taking tips from her. Yeah, we're going to need her to share this episode. (laughs) I did get her to show me how Instagram stories work. It was very helpful to have them around to be like, I don't understand how to do this on my phone. (laughs) Like, good to have teenagers around for that. Yeah, my kids are really good at all that as well. We were doing something and to test something on Instagram stories with someone who had 10,000 followers or more. I said to my buddy, I said, oh, my dog has more than 10,000 followers. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, yeah, thanks to my daughter, little Maltese. That's the thing. I'm not as cute as my dog. 
So I, I need to work on that. <laughs> but yeah, it is good. That is good, especially in these days. Everything moves so fast that mm-hmm. to know what's going on and all the cool new words that you're supposed to be saying. Bussin' is a new one. Oh, is it? I've yeah. given up. Yeah. I'm fine seeming as old as I am. If food is really good. Oh, that's bussin'. I don't know where it comes from, but... And my immediate impulse is to be like, bussing is bad, actually. We should talk about its context and, you know, the civil <laughs> rights era. <laughs> so let's talk about better things. Yeah. Another great show that you're on. It's with Pamela Adlon. It's really funny. I remember watching Lucky Louie and going, Uh oh, my God, do you know who that is to my wife? Pointing at Pamela Adlon. I go, that's the little girl from (laughs) Grease 2. Uh-huh. She was like Bobby Hill on King of the Hill. But she was like the the little girl that was hanging around, you know, like everyone's so much older. And she's like one of the younger sisters. I'm like, that's her. Oh, my God. She's incredible. She yeah. writes. She writes that. She what is she? She just does everything. Right. She directed. She directs every episode. She writes them. She is the star. She's the showrunner. She's like executive producer. She's she's the boss lady. It's amazing. I can't imagine any other. I I did a couple episodes of Shameless, like an episode where William H Macy was directing and acting, and he was amazing at both. But it slows everything way down because this one person is doing two people's jobs. Pam does like five people's jobs and still everybody gets home in time for dinner. It's incredible the amount of work that she does and makes look seamless. Did you, how did you land the role on Better Things? The normal audition process. So the casting director's name is Felicia Fazano. She's now a producer on the show. She's known and worked with Pam for many, many years and they're dear friends. And um, Felicia is another casting director who's been calling me in for years. And so she brought me in for it. It was a little bit different in that usually for an audition, they send you sides a day or two ahead of time and you study them and you know you go in. And for this, they said, just come in 15 minutes early and we'll give you the sides. We're not sending you anything ahead of time. So to sort of give people a little bit of a level playing field, everybody got the same material. It was really just to like, as opposed to you're reading for this character and you're reading for this character. It was like, everybody is going to read the same stuff. It's just for us to get to know you as actors. So I did that and we got a call pretty quickly saying, you're in the show. We don't know who you're going to be yet, which is also pretty unusual. And then another week or so later, they said, okay, you're going to play this character named Tressa. She's so Pam's character in the show is Sam. It is a semi-autobiographical show. So it is about a woman named Sam who is a working actor and single mother of three daughters whose British mother lives next door, all of which is true of Pam as well. But it's not, you know, so it, it draws on her life and has a lot of similarities, but it's not exactly the same. So I play her manager of her acting career and friend. So I did one episode and then then they started kind of folding me into the friend circle. Yeah, that's how it happened. I was booked for one episode. And a few weeks later, Felicia called or texted me on a Sunday and said, what are you doing tomorrow? And I said, nothing. She said, you want to come be in a scene? And that was it. You've had a great career. You continue to have a great career. So yeah. that's exciting. So when does, is that picking up again? Is that? Yes, we're starting in a few weeks. I'm so excited. Starting to shoot season five. How many episodes are in each season? Usually 10. There was one season when we did 12, but usually 10. I think that's that's all we could do before Pam's head would come flying off. So is that kind of I'm sure there's many differences between like a network show and like a, a cable show like on that. It seems like the cable shows like to and like your HBOs and all those kind of things like keep them tight. Yeah. Like, oh, we don't need to make up 24 episodes to yeah. make the sponsors happy where mm-hmm. 15 of them are. Why? Why is Rebecca's character you know, suddenly going to the zoo and. 
you know, working on Coop and Cammy, we did 21, 22 episodes a season. And it's like, that's one of the few places where you do that anymore. Most shows don't do that anymore. So yeah, 10 is about, about right. Yeah. You can do some serious, solid storytelling. So that's, that's cool. So that, all right. So that's, that's coming back. There was, uh, when I was looking at better things on IMDb, there was a random question that was asked, which I thought was funny, which was the heroine, which is Sam's character, Pam's mm-hmm. character. Uh, why is she always on the toilet? <laughs> She's always on the toilet. So for season two, our wrap gift was a squatty potty. You know, those little wooden like toilet stools that had like little quotes from the show on it because there's so much. I can't speak for why there's so much toilet stuff on the show, except that it's a the show is very much about life and there's a lot of toilets in life. And Pam loves awkward, the awkward, uncomfortable moments that nobody wants to talk about. Like a note that we'll get a lot is something will happen on the show, some uncomfortable moment, and she will say, I want us to sit in the fart of it. Like she doesn't want to skip over the awkward part, like she wants to swim around in the awkward part. And so I think the toilet stuff comes from that. Like everybody would rather pretend that the whole, that toilets and what happens on toilets isn't there. And so she wants to spend an enormous amount of time there because that's what she finds really interesting. Well, God bless her. That I, I think that's great. So I yeah. did notice uh, one of the things you did was as I think representing Disney moms was you were on Celebrity Family Feud. <laughs> yes. And... We lost terribly. We got one question right, and it was a Muppet question, and I made sure we got it right. So I can go to my grave satisfied that I, if I had gotten that wrong, I would, I would never have been able to forgive myself. Was it fun being on Family Feud? It's not that easy to come up with things like that, right? It's easy to play these games. It's, it, no, it's not. I mean, we never really got the chance, <laughs> but um, <laughs> it was really fun. It was really fun. And I was like the last contestant, so I was never going to get a chance to go up to the buzzer. So there was not so much pressure on me. Oh, but I get very competitive in those situations. Yeah, you'd want to get up there on the buzzer. Yeah, cool. So, is there um, some of the other shows that you want that you were on that just happened to be some of my faves? Scrubs. Yes. That was fun because that was an offer. Like I just got a call. It was like, Hey, they're doing a thing on scrubs. Do you want to do it? I didn't have to audition. That's always a good gig. We were in the grandfather kennel. It was really fun. You've done so much cool stuff. Um, the, so I did, I did in researching, doing digging in into the mm-hmm. Rebecca Metz files. Uh, you got, you got married at the zoo. I love yeah. the zoo. It's like my favorite place. Have you been to the Santa Barbara zoo? No, but we've got a cool zoo here. We lost our elephants. Once it became a thing, don't have elephants. Don't want to mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Don't have elephants. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. We have a really big Detroit Zoo, really cool butterfly thing and huge giraffe Mm. thing. My wife loves giraffes. And it was a thing like growing up, our kids would go into this. There's like this hippo, you know, not a real hippo, you know, like a, you know, thing. And they crawl (laughs) in and I, it was like, you know, like sometimes you realize, oh, we took the same picture 15 times every time we went to the same place. Yeah. And so I realized like I had this whole history of my kids growing up in this hippo Aww. but now i can't get my kids to go back but i was like we a lot of people get married we have this beautiful butterfly thing in detroit but you mm. walk in and there's like all these million butterflies that they can't get out because it'll destroy the ecosystem right yeah but uh <laughs> yeah world ended when they, someone left the door open at the detroit zoo <laughs> anyway so i i saw some pictures of that and i'm like oh that is so cool 
it's funny that you mentioned giraffes because that they played a big part. So I was like looking through wedding venues online like you do. And I was like, I don't want to do a winery. I don't want to do a hotel. I don't want to do like all these country club, whatever. And then I saw this picture of a bride and groom and a giraffe between them, all three of them with these big goofy smiles on their faces. And I was like, oh my God. That's what I want. And it was the Santa Barbara Zoo. So we have pictures of the two of us in our wedding finery with the giraffe. Our invitation was had like giraffe print paper on it. So giraffes became kind of a theme. It wasn't on purpose, but um, we now have a lot of giraffe gifts around the house because people, and we went on a safari for our honeymoon. So it's become... You brought it on yourself. The <laughs> Yeah. It's funny when people like, they do that. But they go, They're like, oh, you love giraffes. We're like, not really, but thank we you. We like giraffes. I mean, yes, we love giraffes. Giraffes sure. are adorable. They're cute. And there's a lot of yes. good things you can buy with giraffes on them. Yes. We went to a safari once too. And we're like, um, we had the open top on the roof and the giraffe mm-hmm. would come in. We had carrots or something. And their tongues are long. Mm-hmm. Like you've never seen yeah. it. I have fed one at the San Diego Zoo and it's like stringy. It's kind of disgusting, but in a wonderful way. It's one of those things that's like, oh, I got to feed a giraffe. And you're like, yeah. (laughs) And I had to wash my jacket. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So are you doing any other other big projects other than um, heading back to better things? Better things is the big thing. I'm work, I'm about to work on a movie that a friend of mine is making and and lots of auditioning like things are just roaring back all of a sudden. I it's like we're going from 0 to 60 all of a sudden, which is like, "Ooh, I was hoping for a little bit more of a transition." Triple booked on the calendar. Better things and whatever comes next. Well, I'm sure a million more things await you. Everyone, where can people keep up with you on the socials? Uh, I am the Rebecca Metz on everything I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and t- someone talked me into getting on TikTok. So I'm on TikTok. Fine. I occasionally get on, on the TikTok myself. Everybody mm-hmm. check out Better Things. It's all on Hulu. You can catch it on Hulu. It's an easy binge. Easy binge. Easy binge. Yeah. If you've got kids, sit them down to Coop and Cammy Ask the World. Enjoyable. Yeah. Rebecca, thank you so much for hanging with me. This was fun. It was fun. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. All right. How awesome was Rebecca Metz? I had such a good time chatting with her. It's always good to find someone else who loves the Muppets as much as you do. Definitely check out Rebecca's current show, Better Things, and all the other great shows she's been on. So much goodness for you to discover. Well, can you believe it? Here we are nearing the end of episode 79. Can't believe it. Where did 79 episodes come and go? But wait, Jeff, it's not over yet. I know it's not over because we haven't done a trending hashtag from the family of hashtags at hashtag roundup. That's right. Hashtag roundup. Download the free, always free, cost you nothing app from the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Tweet along with us on Twitter. Follow hashtag roundup on Twitter at hashtag roundup. Tweet with one of our amazing fun games. And one day, one of your tweets may show up on an episode of Live from Detroit, the Jeff DeWaskin Show. Fame and fortune await you. This week's hashtag is drawn from Rebecca and my love of the Muppets. Talkie Tags, a weekly game on hashtag roundup, did a super fun hashtag. Hashtag Put a Muppet in a Movie. That's right, the ultimate Muppet movie mashup hashtag game, and we're bringing it to you. As always, all these tweeters will be retweeted at Jeff DeWaskin Show. They'll be listed in the show notes. Show them some love. 
Also, get out there on Twitter. Tweet your own hashtag. Put a Muppet in a movie. I'll look for it. And again, play along with us to up your chances of showing up on a future episode. All right, here we go. The ultimate Muppet movie mashup. Hashtag put a Muppet in a movie. There's something about Janice. How to lose a guy smiley in 10 days. The great Muppet Cape Fear. The Wizard of Frank Oz. The French Rainbow Connection. These are some amazing Muppet movie mashup movies. I would love to see these Muppelicious movies. The Big Bird Cage, 12 Angry Muppets, The Fives and the Furious, The Wolf of Stotler and Waldorf Street, Bedtime for Gonzo, Casa Waka Waka Waka, The Big Bird Lebowski, The Wizard of Fives, Miss Piggy Wears Prada, The Gonzo Mile, Peppy Longstocking. These are some incredible hashtag put a Muppet in a movie tweets. Honeydew, I shrunk the kids. Weekend at Ernie's. Gonzo brother, where are Rizzo? Gonzo girl. A fuzzy thing happened on the way to the forum. Ah. Remember the Elmo. Love Burts. Driving Miss Piggy. Pigs in space balls. And our final. Hashtag put a Muppet in a movie. The Burt Locker. Oh, <laughs> right. These were an amazing collection of Muppelicious movie mashups. Thanks to everyone who tweeted along. And don't forget to check out their tweets at Jeff Dewaskin Show. Can you believe it? Here we are at the end of episode 79. All good things must come to an end. And here we are. I want to thank once again my amazing guest, Rebecca Metz. And of course, I want to thank all of you for coming back week after week. It means the world to me. And I'll see you next time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Jeff Dwoskin Show with your host, Jeff Dwoskin. Now go repeat everything you heard and sound like a genius. Catch us online at thejeffdwoskinshow.com or follow us on Twitter at Jeff Dwoskin Show. And we'll see you next time.